This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Trapped in a dream, one woman is their only way out. I promise I'm going to do everything I can to bring your dad back. Reverie, new series, Wednesday at 8 on Global. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard, then threw him aside to the net. Back door. One timer score. Connor McDavid ends the game. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, of course, the Eskimos will open their season next Thursday when they take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll have that game for you. Quarterback Mike Riley will join us in about half an hour right here on Inside Sports. Of course, the Stanley Cup final could end in a couple of days. Game 5 on Thursday. We'll have that broadcast for you starting at 6 o'clock. Capitals going into Vegas with a 3-1 series lead. We will discuss that with our next guest. And now James Patrick is going at it. With Baudelaire. Rangers. Look at Van Biesbrook now talking to Sutter. Look at Sutter. He's going after Sutter. Van Biesbrook. And here comes Kelly Rudy. The five scariest words in sports, and here comes Kelly Rudy. <laughs> Kelly, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Reed. You would have heard that more often in junior hockey, but I was rather subdued uh, in the NHL. That happened to be uh, a night in which I was really mad at myself, and I actually wrote about it quite extensively in my book, Reed, because this was a major game for us. It was an important game uh, in the standings. It was an important game because it was our New York Ranger rivals in Madison Square Garden. And for some stupid reason, I decided to wear uh, brand-new pads uh, that night. Like, I'd worn them a few weeks or so in practice, but they weren't quite ready. And I don't know why I chose that particular night to wear these new pads. And I was getting pelted. I think we were losing 7-3. At some point in the second period, I knew Al Arbor was mad at me for wearing new pads. I knew that uh, I was going to get pulled at the end of the period. And so when the brawl happened and uh, Clark Gillies was on the, on the ice, he was uh, beating people up. And uh, Dwayne Sutter, you heard in there, Sam Rosen talking about Dwayne Sutter. He got involved with John Van Beesbrook. And I was going to leave that alone until Van Beesbrook took off his uh, blocking glove and with his... Uh, uh, handy, or I, I'm sorry, he punched Dwayne Sutter with his blocking hand, and then Dwayne Sutter reached in, took off his 
the glove in his right hand and reached in and started pulling on the cage on John Denzeesburg. So I knew something had to be done, so I raced down. But the, the best part of the, about that story, Reed, is that my lawyer was there. Lloyd Friedland and his wife Carol were in New York. They lived there, and uh, they represented both John and myself. And, and so we, my wife Donna uh, came in from Long Island. John and his wife Rosalind. Lloyd and Carol, the six of us were going to have dinner after the game in Manhattan. Of course, that didn't happen because of my stupidity. But anyways, <laughs> it's a great memory in a sense. It's, it's a wonderful story. It just doesn't happen anymore because now everybody texts each other and they're all great friends. And But, uh, yeah, I was, I was more mad at myself than anybody. I certainly wasn't mad at John. That was February 17th, 1985. Of course, Islanders and Rangers, one of the many brouhaha's they would have had in the in the long history of that rivalry, many of them uh, to that degree happening in the 70s and 80s. And man, there were two Sutters off the on the ice. They weren't leaving. Like they <laughs> Brent and Dwayne, they they were not going to let that that brawl end until they got every last lick in. You know, the other thing I'm going to relate it to today's game. So Everybody sees the Golden Knights uh, general manager, George McPhee, right? He looks like a calm guy and kind of slight, not all that big. And you think, okay, well, I understand he had a pretty good NHL career, but I didn't know he was all that tough. We were playing another time in Madison Square Garden, and one of the toughest guys in the history of the game on our team, Bob Nystrom, he's on the ice, and George McPhee goes right after him. And I'm thinking, oh, George, what are you doing? This (laughs) This is not very smart. And they had one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. And my respect level and everybody's respect level for George McPhee went through the roof. But here he is, uh, undersized, and had just an incredible dust-up with uh, Bob Nystrom. I think even Bob Nystrom was really impressed with him because I thought, I think going into it, he thought it was going to be a fairly easy match, and certainly wasn't. All right. Well, there are some great memories, Kelly. We appreciate that, and thanks for rolling with these YouTube clips. I find, and you always you always seem to remember what happened. So, this, so that's pretty cool. Of course, uh, the Stanley Cup final it 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 could end could could end Thursday. We'll see if Vegas stays alive. What a series for Washington. So, I guess the general question to start with, Kelly, is how does Vegas keep it going? What do they have to do here? Well, yesterday, I think that uh, they had the start they wanted. I'm going to say for about seven, eight minutes, they were pretty darn good. Um, and then they lost some opportunities. Uh, they hit some posts. They had the Neal chance. They had Riley Smith chance that he shot it just wide early. And they weren't sustainable or uh, able to sustain that uh, sort of surge. And that's the one thing I've noticed with uh, Vegas, that they have these surges. And every game's a little bit different. Every period's a little bit different. But they're usually about a four or six or seven minute surge sometimes they're two in a period sometimes they're maybe a four minute surge but they'll have three of them in a period and they didn't have that last night they had the surge to start and then they were never really back into it the second goal that uh, Washington got was the killer the other thing is that when you're here and you're watching you recognize that uh, Washington has three franchise players going into a very trot before he took the job he said, yeah, you know, they've got two franchise players in Ovechkin and Baxter. Most coaches don't inherit a team with two, and now they've got a third with Kuznetsov. And then they've got a fantastic goalie and a, an excellent defenseman in John Carlson. Carlson's one of those guys you have to watch live also to really appreciate how hard he plays, how smart he is. He plays with a, a bigger edge, and you think he's not what Kevin Shattenkirk was. You know, he was the big catch last year. 
and Shattenkirk was more of a power play specialist. Now, John Carlson still provides those points, but he's an all-around much better defenseman. Yeah. Well, the Capitals are, are looking good, and, and it's one of those things, Kelly, they're that team that have always had great regular seasons and then couldn't put it together in the playoffs or, or ramp up their game. They still had a great regular season this year. I mean, they didn't get the President's Trophy like they have yeah. a couple of times in the past, but but it's all, it's so close in the playoffs it's it's almost like it's the the cup is going to go or the finalists are going to go are going to be the the two teams that that say all right boys we're and you've been to a Stanley Cup final as a player we're like we're willing to be in pain for two months like we're willing to be really uncomfortable you know and do uncomfortable things on the ice for yeah. two months because it might be worth it in the end and that and that's a long grind to commit to and you see the the commitment they've made to blocking shots and right. Uh, so, I mean, that is remarkable what they're doing. I, you know, blocking shots is different than it was in my day, too. You know, one of the best shot blockers in my day was Craig McCavish. And it was old school, right? He was more like a Jacques Lemaire or somebody like that. You know, he'd do it on the penalty kill. And uh, there it was an incredible technique that uh, Craig McCavish had. But it wasn't the same sort of style they ask now. Like, you know, there's a little bit different thought into it where, uh, and most teams employ the same sort of system that the goaltender he's taught, you know, in most cases he's taking the short side and the far side is up to the shot blockers. And so basically the goaltender in, in certain circumstances, now every situation is a little bit different, but then their job is basically to protect half the net. So it's a different sort of world, different jobs. Um, you know, I, I, I like it. Sometimes I wish there was a little bit less uh, shot blocking. I know even Ole Kolzig, we had him on the show last night, and he talked about the style that some goalies play, that the current guys are being taught, that he wishes maybe is a little bit more uh, reading the play and reading the situation and a little less cookie cutter. But, you know, I think that uh, all in all, uh, you look at the commitment that these guys are making. And, you know, Reed, we haven't touched on it tonight. I know we have previously, but it's about the mental approach, too, and how relaxed all of a sudden Washington's become. So they lose the first two games of the playoffs. Braden Holtby isn't even their goalie. Grubauer is. Uh, they go on the road, get that series back on track, and it looks as though they're in trouble against Tampa, uh, going home for game six uh, in Washington, down 3-2. And all of a sudden, in those uh, uh, dressing room shots or the walk-in shots, who walks in? in a great frame of mind, but Braden Holby with a cough and he's smiling, he's high-fiving some of the dressing room attendants. And that was the, the, the mood that they had to be in. And so all of a sudden they get through that and it seems to be that uh, they're cruising because you never know what's going to happen, but I find it going to be really difficult for Vegas to get back into it. Kelly, another big hockey story today is that Lou Lamarillo who definitely is not retired, in case people didn't already know that, uh, president of hockey operations for the Islanders, firing Garth Snow, who was the GM and former Oiler head coach Doug Waite. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I, I kind of think that uh, when everybody recognized Lou was coming in, that uh, he would do it his, his way and hire his people. Uh, I will give uh, the previous, well, I guess Charles Wong is still part of the uh, uh, Islanders ownership just in a minority way now. He's sold to John Ledecky and uh, Scott Malkin, but uh, I give uh, uh, Charles Wong a lot of credit for being loyal. Now, you can easily argue, Kelly, you're crazy because they didn't have any success, but loyalty to me means something, and 
He stuck with Mike Milbury for a lot of years when people didn't understand it. Uh, I'm lucky because I've known Mike for a lot of years, and he gave me the behind-the-scenes uh, situations that uh, made him uh, do some of the things, and, and I totally understand that. And then uh, with Garth Snow, I mean, he was there for uh, 12 years with the Islanders, and, and there, there was something there about the loyalty. Uh, Charles Wong really liked Garth. Um, he didn't do very much for the organization on the ice, but there was that uh, loyalty again. Uh, I've heard good things about Doug Wade. I think he's going to resurface. I heard that uh, players really like him. He's tough when he needs to be. He's a good tactician, so I think he'll resurface somewhere. Um, but uh, moving forward, I think all of us expected this. Kelly, before I let you go, I got a text here from a listener who goes by the Big L, and he's a very amusing guy. He said, Reed, Kelly Rudy, the pugilist, was his bandana tied down? <laughs> <laughs> right? That would have been very uncomfortable, tie that down to my uh, the back of my pants. No. Uh, yeah. You know, I just, I'm laughing at that uh, scenario again, that situation. I watched it about a year or two ago, and because I, I, I was in the process of writing my book, and Kirsty McClellan Days, the co author, and I watched it, and we had a good chuckle over it. So, if you're if you're really bored, uh, go watch it on YouTube. It's kind of funny. It takes a while to get there. I think it's about twelve minutes in or something that I finally lose my <laughs> mind. But it's kind it, of funny. It's a long brawl. Yeah, they, they wouldn't go on yeah, that dude. long this day and age yeah. for sure. Yeah, Kelly, uh, we've had you all season. Tell you what, we'll do one more next week because either the season will be over or we'll get everybody ready for Game yep. Seven. Sound fair? Okay, sounds good, Reed. Have a great night, bud. That is Kelly Rudy checking in, covering the Stanley Cup Final for the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender, and we love doing that every once in a while, playing a highlight, big save. We, we, we had him stopping a penalty shot in overtime a few weeks ago, so today we got a fight against John Van Breesbrook, Islanders against Rangers. That was pretty cool. It's Inside Sports on 630, Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Blue Jays and Yankees scoreless there in the bottom of the fifth. Mike Riley coming up uh, in about 12, 15 minutes. Eskimos quarterback, Inside Sports on Chet. How can you help share the love with the Alberta Cancer Foundation? You can do it today for the 50th year anniversary of the Cross Cancer Institute. I'm Tracy Gray, and I'm here live on location until 7 o'clock tonight. They've got phone lines open for anyone who'd like to make a donation. If you make a $20 a month donation, we're looking for 400 people to step up and do that. And if we reach that goal, there's another donor who is going to match it. So it will double the money today. 780-391-7677. That's 780-391. 7677 is the number that you can call. But there's so many great reasons to donate. We've got people who are making donations that are just a one-time donation. Whatever they can afford today is fantastic. Other people who are doing the monthly donations. We had a $50,000 donation today. And then also we've had uh, people challenging others to make donations. So any farmers out there, Durkham Farms is asking to match their $500 donation. Any donation is appreciated and you can get a hold of them at Show the love today.ca or come visit us here 11560 University Ave. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 623. Coming up after Inside Sports at 8 o'clock, we have Charles Adler tonight. And uh, tonight 
He will have an exclusive interview with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Trudeau sat down with Global News for an exclusive interview today, tackling his big pipeline purchase and Canada's tariff battle with the U.S. Charles Adler tonight will have that full interview uh, for you. 8 o'clock tonight right here on 6.30. Chad, Kellen Kennedy is on the other side of the window. We'll talk to him a little bit later on on the show tonight. Mike Riley coming up after uh, the 6.30 news. I'm just following a story here that, that I've been getting details on in about uh, the well, less than an hour ago, actually. And uh, during the commercial break, I was in the process of emailing U Sports, that's a Canadian University Sports, to see if they have any comment uh, on this. But I, but I have it from multiple sources. But here's 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 what happened, and, and the story that, that that I that I have. And obviously, if I'm if I'm if I'm presenting this, I'm I, I'm comfortable enough with the validity of it that, that I have no problem putting it on the air. Uh, Eddie Olnicki, who's been on this show several times, had an outstanding career as a running back with the U of A Golden Bears. So outstanding that for the the last football season, 2017, he won the Heck Crichton Award as the best player in Canadian university football. He subsequently won Canada West Male Athlete of the Year. So he was one of four male athletes at the university level to win his conference award. That, That... made him a finalist for the U Sports Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, they're called the BLG Awards. BLG is the sponsor, but basically we're talking about for the U Sports Male Athlete of the Year. Ed Nicky is one of four finalists. Um, he, di- he did not win. The, the awards were given out last night in Vancouver. Ed Nicky is at training camp with the Ottawa Red Blacks, who of course drafted him a couple of years ago. The, the U of A w- was informed last week via email that Ed not being able to attend last night's awards compromises his chances of winning the award. The, the voting was done on the weekend. So the voting's done on the weekend. Prior to the voting, the, the U of A athletic department is informed you know, if Ed's not going to be there, it's going to hurt his chances of winning. So subsequently, I think we can draw a pretty direct conclusion that voters were told, hey, Nicky's not going to be here, and we sure wouldn't want to give the award to a, to a guy who isn't here because nobody can walk up on stage and get it. I mean, I'm obviously speculating on what the conversation uh, would have been, but I, but I don't think it's a stretch to say it would have gone something like that. So uh, this is very strange. And I like I, I like university sports. I, I love U of A sports, but here's U sports They're tripping over themselves once again. And now, you know, I talk to people at U of A. They're obviously biased, but Ed certain well certainly would have been a favorite to win the award, even if he wasn't. Not being able to attend the award ceremony, in my mind, shouldn't exclude you from the opportunity to win the award or have voters freely pick you. It's some very odd logic, so uh, I'm going to contact U Sports, see if I can get some sort of comment, but again, I'm certainly comfortable enough with the information I have to present it to you tonight. We're coming up to the 6.30 news, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Mike Riley, your quarterback, when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad.
appreciate you tuning in tonight. We'll have another edition of Inside Sports tomorrow and then hockey on Thursday. Maybe the last game of the year. Vegas home to Washington. Capitals up three games to one in uh, the best of seven. You can always uh, text 630-630. Bretsky says, uh, hi, Reed. Uh, they should have played the long and winding road for Barry Trotz and Alex Ovechkin. It's the right time for them to have a shot at, uh, oh no, sorry, he says, who would have thought that the Capitals would be able to play with such chemistry? Just goes to show how many things have to come together at the right time to have a shot at Lord Stanley. Well, and this is the great thing about the, the, the hockey playoffs. I mean, go, going into, the, or pardon me, the Stanley Cup playoffs, when you look back at this field of teams, the 16 teams that made the playoffs, I, I think you could make at least a decent argument for 13 of them. We're seeing if this happens and this happens, they could win the Stanley Cup. The LA Kings got swept by the Vegas Golden Knights. Jonathan Quick had a historically high save percentage for the LA Kings. If their offense gets another goal or two on Fleury, who was also excellent, who knows? The Columbus Blue Jackets were up two games to nothing on Washington. The Capitals got a lucky bounce goal to win game three in overtime. What if that doesn't go in and Columbus scores to go up three games to nothing? Maybe Columbus goes on a run. I mean, I, I, when I look at the 16 teams, I would, I would classify Colorado and New Jersey and Philadelphia as, as the long shots, as, as the teams where, man, you, you need a long list of things to go right. Most other teams, you say, well, this guy plays well, the goalie steps up, you get a bounce or two, who knows? And and that's the thing about Washington. I mean, they, they stuck with with Columbus. They got a bounce. They they figured out they figured out Pittsburgh. And now you're talking about the Washington Capitals in a way that you have talked about that organization pretty much never. Even when they went to the Stanley Cup final in 1998, as a tough, resilient team. And as I mentioned to Kelly, sometimes it comes down to which team is going to say, "All right, we are willing to be in pain." for 22, 24, 26 games over the course of a two-month span because we want our names on that cup for as long as the NHL is going to exist, and the Capitals have been able to put that together. Now, having said that, are we foolish enough to count Vegas out? Wouldn't that be the final? Wouldn't that be an amazing final chapter in the fairy tale? Oh, by the way, we came back from three-one down to win the Stanley Cup after making the final in our inaugural season. It's it's as great as Washington is playing, and as complete as they have looked. I'm I'm reluctant to start hitting that final nail into the coffin, given how they've just kept proving everybody wrong all season long. But the Capitals are playing great. They have totally put it all together. Speaking of a guy who often puts it all together for your Edmonton Eskimos, I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, your quarterback, Mike Riley. Mike, how are you doing? Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing good, man. Just, uh, you know, football 24 hours a day, which is how we like it. It, Training camp's an interesting time of year. Tell people, if you can, because I know... There's the the practice part of it, the on-field portion, and you know you guys will uh, do interviews there, and Morley and Dave will cover it for Chad and all that stuff. But wh- what's the meeting schedule like for football? What's the film watching schedule like? I mean, are you there till late into the evening in a, in a classroom looking at stuff, or how does it go? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're here. We get here, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, and and we generally leave to the parking lot. 
you know, 9 p.m. or maybe a little bit after that. So, I mean, we're here all day long, um, which is, it's great. I mean, it's great for the on-the-field product, um, you know, because we're just immersed in football. But it, it's a great time to kind of, you know, build that family atmosphere with your teammates and kind of get that bonding before the season starts. So that part of it's cool. We, we do get a little bit sick of each other as well, so there's always that portion of it. But, uh, you know, we, we leave the field at noon, and then uh, it's basically a lunch and a dinner, and outside of those time periods, you know, we're in the classroom watching the film of the practice, installing what we're putting in for the next day, um, things like that. So there's, there's a ton of classroom work um, even more so than what goes out there on the field. So there's a lot that goes into it that people probably don't necessarily see or understand. Look, I know that a team's game plan is obviously confidential for that team, but I still want to throw you a question along these lines. Maybe there's something you can share. What's something in a meeting that will be a specific focus? I mean, will you are you already scouting opposition? Are, are, you, are you going over your own technique? Will you bandy about ideas for plays that you think might work? What's a little behind the scenes uh, behind the scenes thing that you could share uh score more points <laughs> there's the plan eh it's it's all blown open now <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it. so no it's um i mean it's a little bit of both uh or i guess a little bit of everything that you talked about it's different during training camp too right because although we don't have another preseason game so the next opponent that we're playing is going to be winnipeg in a regular season so we know um, you know who we're game planning for, but generally during training camp, it's more of a, a broad uh, approach to your entire scheme, whether it's offensive or defensive, as opposed to kind of you know a more detailed thing when you're actually preparing to go against another team. So right now, um, we're we're in that gray area in between both, where we're still installing things that we know you know we may not use till later in the season, uh, but just getting that 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 foundation built um, but it's also that transition time where you're starting to, to look at a team like Winnipeg and, and breaking down what they're doing defensively and, and how we feel like we can attack um, you know their schemes and things like that and so you know we're talking through that we're watching that film together as quarterbacks with the coaching staff and then with the wide receivers and all of that um, but with still a few more days left of training camp um, you know it hasn't really gotten that specific yet and of, of course you know, you have guys in your locker room right now that aren't going to be on our team and could potentially be on other teams by the time that the regular season starts. So there's a fine line you have to walk between really getting detailed into how you're going to attack opponents, uh, but also making sure that you're utilizing this time and so it's not wasted uh, when that regular season does start. Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley joining us on Inside Sports. You know, when you guys played Saskatchewan, uh, Brendan Ulrich got to interview Duke Williams uh, during the game on the sidelines, and uh, Duke said something like his plan for this season is to dominate, which sounds great, right? Like scoring more points than the other team. Uh, Duke showed some pretty strong flashes last season. What does he have to do to really establish himself as a high-end guy in the league this year? Yeah, I expect him to dominate. I, you know, I expect him to have that attitude. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, he did show a lot of potential last year. 
um, just, you know, being so raw as a rookie, um, you know, and coming into this league and still being able to go out there and be as productive as he was, that was impressive. But that was all, you know, just physical ability, um, you know, and as he's come into his second year, you can see the mental part of the game. Uh, really taking hold with him, understanding, you know, what our schemes are really trying to attack and understanding, you know, the little nuances, how to run different routes, um, you know, so that we can use him in, in more of our offense than we did last year. And he's he's excited about that opportunity. You can tell that he's worked a lot on his craft and he's become very good um, at, at running all sorts of different routes. So it's not going to be just, you know, down the field jump balls like it was last year, which he's clearly very good at. And, and we're going to continue to utilize him in that regard but um you know he's he reminds me a lot of how zilster was when zilster came in you know um very physically talented but also willing to spend the time to learn uh, about all the little details that a receiver has to be able to have in their tool bag to make them great so he's got a great opportunity uh, he didn't waste time during the offseason you know he came in ready to roll and it's it showed up so far in that first preseason game and and through the three weeks of training camp practice so as long as he continues to have that drive and that desire to be great and to dominate uh, i have no doubt in my mind that he will do that Mike, you guys got to have your fan day on Sunday. Uh, you uh, you stayed uh, well over an hour past when it was supposed to end signing autographs. Now, I've got to ask a little bit here about your technique. Are you a uh, are you a squiggle guy, or you got a where I got to sign every letter is is legible every single time, guy? <laughs> no, I'm a squiggle guy, man. It's um, yeah, maybe it's just because I have pretty poor handwriting to begin with, but. Um, I mean, when you when you have that quantity of signatures that you have to do, you got to be able to kind of uh, get through them quickly and make them all look the same. So you can probably pick out an M, an R, and a Y, and a 13 in mind. But uh, it's all about consistency, man. As long as they all look the same and everybody knows uh, that they're getting an authentic signature, um, that's the important thing. I have seen some guys where they, I mean, it looks like they're like signing a, a bank check. It's like you can literally read every letter of their name and I just don't want to be behind you in the line because you're going to take forever so uh, yeah I'm definitely a squiggle guy obviously you had a lot of fans wanting to meet you and talk to you on Sunday uh, I know you're happy to, to you know to be approached or say hi if uh, if fans might see you you know uh, if, if you're out uh, shopping or whatever like that uh, you've made Edmonton your home what's uh What's an interesting interaction you've had with a fan, maybe in public, or uh, I don't know if you have a touching moment or a funny moment that you remember from meeting an Eskimos fan? No, I mean, I don't have any one specific moment. I just have, I mean, there's all the time when we're out and about, um, you know, we see people, and honestly, more often than not, I'm out with my wife and my daughter when we're, you know, out shopping or doing something like that. So people around the city are, are very good about um, you know, they want to come and say hello, which is great. And I, I take as much time as they, they would like to have, you know, take some pictures and stuff. Uh, but they're also very respectful of the fact that I'm out with my family. And so they say hi to my wife and my daughter. And then, you know, then they move on with their day. So it's cool because, you know, you, 
I remember a time in my life when I was not uh, recognizable and was not as well known, and I would have given anything to have the opportunity to play somewhere where people cared and were passionate about the football team and, and you know, recognized its players. So I'm fortunate to be in Edmonton, so I never take that for granted. Um, my wife has become a, a very good photographer. She, uh, <laughs> she sees people coming up, and she already knows. She, like, puts everything down, and she's like, here, give me your phone. I'll, I'll take the picture for you. Um, so she's become very good at that. But uh, it's, it's great. That's one of the great things about playing in Edmonton and one of the things that uh, makes me love playing for the, the Eskimos team for sure. I'm curious about Friday. Uh, you and some other guys didn't go to Winnipeg for the for the second and final preseason game. Uh, obviously, the, that game wasn't on TV. I, I think the Hamilton game on will overlap with it a little bit. Did, were, were you like listening to one game on Ched and watching on TV, or what was that experience like? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. I mean, us vets were planning on going to the game, and then there were some issues with the weight of the plane and things like that. Um, so we ended up having to stay behind. Um, so I just had uh, I had Darrell uh, Walker and, and Kenny and uh, Vidal came over to my house, and we just uh, we were having some dinner, uh, drinking some Gatorades. I'm sure is what we were having. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we had the we had the game on TV on mute, and uh, I had my iPad with the uh, the radio app, and we were listening. And the Dave and Morley uh, had that blasted at full volume, and um, you know we were just kind of soaking up a lot of football. So it was, um, you know, it was it was kind of a challenge to not be there with the team because um, you know we've watched the guys work all week and wanted to be there and support them. But um, at the same time, it was for them to have that experience of being the guys, being the starters, and having it all fall on their shoulders, and really seeing what that feeling's all about because it's. It's a totally different deal when uh, you know when they're running the show and then all of a sudden they're not there anymore and you have to step up and be the guy. So it was a good experience for them, good experience for our team. But um, yeah, we were we were watching one game, listening to a different game, and uh, just looking at the calendar going, when do we get to play again? Because we don't like not being on the field. All right, and that's a good segue into my final one here for you, Mike. Mike Riley joining us on Inside Sports. It, it's sort of an unusual schedule. It's it's like a bye week without without the bye because you're still working and, and going through training camp. Um, what What is that like now, sort of this wait for that preseason game? And I, and I think on Thursday here you guys are going to do a, a little bit of a simulation. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, I mean that's my understanding. It's something that we do every training camp. It's it's not you know it's not necessarily like a mock game or anything like that. But we just you know Jason puts the ball out on the field and tells us different scenarios, and we we go at it against our defense as if it were in a game. And it's just kind of a nice time to fine tune some things. Um, it's also where scenarios come up that maybe you haven't had the chance to practice throughout camp, whether it's going forward on a third and short because you're you know simulating that the it's the end of the game and and you don't have time to punt get the ball back you need to go score or it puts our you know field goal unit on the on the field and they have to make a pressure kick or you know just things like that um just kind of to to up the intensity a little bit and make it a little bit more game-like um but yeah this this is an interesting week because we are still in training camp we are still in the evaluation process where young guys need to get reps so that uh you know the the coaches and the front office guys can make their decisions but at the same time our starting units and our vet guys are, are getting geared up to play against winnipeg so we're trying to make sure that uh, we're ironing things out and being as crisp as possible. Um, you know, we're just ready to play, man. It's uh, you, you never like uh, having those those extra weeks. You know, bye weeks are great to get your body healthy, but we haven't started the regular season yet, so you know we're not too fond of that. We want to get out there and, and get this thing started for real, but. 
you know, we still need to take this time to make sure that we're prepared and ready to go. Mike, sounds great. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope we can do this a few more times during the season. Have a good one, buddy. Definitely. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me on. There he is, the 2017 CFL Most Outstanding Player, Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley, as he mentioned, did not go to Winnipeg for the second final preseason game on Friday. The Eskimos did lose that game. They count in the standings starting next Thursday. Once again, the Eskimos will be in Winnipeg. That's their season opener, 5 o'clock here on 6.30, Chet, for the countdown to kick off, and then the game will start at 6.30. It is 6.49. Blue Jays up one nothing on the Yankees in the top of the seventh. Quick timeout in Sports on Chet. Everyone is showing the love today with the Cross Cancer Institute. I'm Tracy Gray, broadcasting live on location for their 50-year anniversary celebration. And one of my favorite people here in Edmonton, oh. Sue Lingo from Global TV, is here. You are much too kind. Thank you. Right back at you, Tracy. <laughs> well, we are sharing the love today, right? Yeah. We're showing the love. And uh, it's for such a great cause, and we really appreciate you coming down and uh, showing your support. Oh, absolutely. We wouldn't miss it for the world. We've got, I mean, we're partners with Chorus Radio, mm -hmm. uh, Global Television, so we're very happy to come and support this. I think everyone knows someone who's been a patient at the cross, right? Absolutely. I have a friend, actually, who was recently diagnosed with lung cancer, so she'll be starting treatment here right away. And, um, I, you know, it's it's a place that I think Edmontonians, Albertans, of mm -hmm. course, want to support, so we're happy to come and help raise some yeah. money. And now the event is wrapping up. The uh, lines are just open until 7 o'clock, so if you haven't donated yet, you've been thinking about, do so now. 780-391-7677 or go to their website, showthelovetoday.ca. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. An anonymous texter to 63630 says, Mike Riley on the radio in the morning and the evening. Cool. Good to have Mike on the show, and you will hear him on 630 Chad every morning during the CFL season. New segment called Tuesday Morning Quarterback. He'll sit down with Morley Scott for a few minutes, talk about football and probably a bunch of other things. Mike's a pretty well-rounded individual. I always love talking to Mike Riley. And he's uh, he's able to roll with the punches. He's got a pretty uh, deadpan sense of humor. You probably heard during that interview, I, I said, can you give us some insight into what you talk about in all these hours of meetings and film you have to look at? He says, well, we talk about scoring more points than the other team. That's what it all comes down to. Mike Riley and the Eskimos, they are, they are uh, they're working hard and they'll have a bit of that, uh, not exactly a simulated game, but a little more a little more contact, a little more like a scrimmage with some tackling and hitting and some pads on Thursday. And as Mike said, they'll go through some situations, late game situations. you got to rush the field goal team on a, on a field goal. you got to try to convert a third down without a timeout or, or driving the clock, uh, driving the field with a certain amount of time on the clock. They'll get into uh, all that kind of stuff. The Grey Cup tickets. They are going, uh, fewer than 4,800 remaining. Remember, they went on sale to the general public on Friday at 2. I was uh, outside the Commonwealth Rec Center doing a remote for some of that. And we will get an update from Dwayne Vineau, the executive director of the Grey Cup Festival, coming up after 7.30 tonight. I know they're, they're pushing to break the record of selling out in six days. The, uh, the game will uh, sold out. They've, they've sold over 51,000. Uh, and again, fewer than 4,800 remaining. But we will get an update. 
course, the 106th Grey Cup right here in Edmonton late November. The Eskimos will uh, try to be in it for the first time since they won it in 2015. Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. Are you able to go to the uh, Grey Cup this year, buddy? You're a big uh, CFL fan, big Eskimos fan, because you got Eskimo season tickets. Yeah, it was the offer. uh, They offered it to any and all season ticket holders, I should say. Uh, Probably not going to go to the Grey Cup game itself, but you darn sure should know that I will be downtown Edmonton partying that weekend big time because <laughs> take no party like a great cup party. <laughs> Kellen Kennedy's going to be a mess. Yeah, absolutely. He's <laughs> he's going to be putting the drunk in, well, drunk. <laughs> no, that's cool, buddy. Uh, great cup. Edmonton. Uh, by the way, New York uh, Yankees now up 4-1 on the Blue Jays. So, uh, remember I said a few minutes ago it was one nothing for the Yankees, one nothing for the Blue Jays. Now 4-1 for the Yankees. They are still batting in uh, in the top of the seventh. Uh, also, uh, later on, this is I always love having Paul Sir on the show. A very colorful guy, very animated, very opinionated. He's the executive director of Basketball Alberta. I had the pleasure of working with Paul several years ago. I've gotten to know him really well. And I know it was a few days ago, but we haven't been having shows because we've been carrying the football and the hockey. And Paul, you know, excellent player in his younger days, played college ball in the states. You know, longtime administrator and coach into his into his senior year, into his senior years. He's not a senior throughout his adult years. I got to ask him about J.R. Smith calling not shooting, not not shooting with the game tied. Had a six foot shot to win the game. Apparently, didn't know the score. Dribbled out the center. NBA Finals. Golden State Warriors looking very good. Uh, this texture says Mike Riley in the morning, every morning, or just Tuesdays. It will be Tuesday morning quarterback. That doesn't mean you might not hear from Mike Riley at other points during the week or during the day. But this specific segment with Morley, uh, Tuesday morning quarterback. So we look forward to that. Adam says, i got to be honest, never knew they went from that time in the morning until late at night. Football players have long days. There's a lot of classroom stuff. It's it's very controlled. I mean, the the, the joke is football coaches are, are paranoid, but it, it's true. So, you know, it's very controlled, very structured, making sure everybody's disciplined on the same page all the time. These are long days for football players. There's a lot of classroom work and even some homework, for lack of a better word. We're back after the 7 o'clock news. Inside Sports on Chet. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.